Rock climber Alex Honnold introduced me to the term gripped. Honnold is most famous for scaling the 3,000-foot El Capitan in Yosemite without ropes for the Oscar-winning documentary Free Solo. I understand grip to mean being tense, stressed, and under pressure, which can make a climber unsafe in their climbing. I heard him use the word in an interview and immediately related. Being gripped is not a good state for his purposes, and it's not great for ours either. We can become gripped when we're always trying to prove our worth, earn it, or justify it. It can become how we relate to people in social situations and how we engage the world. It's unnecessary because our worth is a given. However, in this state, we won't have the energy or bandwidth to find joy in life. Stepping into each new day expecting to find beauty is unimaginable. We're merely surviving. If you can empathize with this, it's understandable. In the past few years, there's been little to think new days will bring beauty or delight. To overcome this, poet Ross Gay committed to writing a short essay about something that delighted him every day for a year. His topics range from small and silly to deeply profound and tear-jerking. He missed some days and had to overcome moments of being gripped himself. But doing the work to write what became the Book of Delights, Essays, Gay noticed he had developed a kind of radar to detect delight. The steady routine of looking for delight created a ready and sensitive awareness of its presence. He decided, something that implies that the more you study delight, the more delight there is to study. If we're honest, we have some habits created by our stress and are now challenged to find delight in life. When we're gripped, we struggle to do more than notice threats or the potential for failure. We move through life forever on defense. How do we know if we're gripped? Everyone is different, but here's a practical question. When's the last time you focused on a cloud that wasn't shaped like a tornado? No, seriously, if a cloud wasn't threatening your picnic or your kid's little league game, would you spend two seconds looking at it? If your answer is no, it's a shame because clouds can be delightful. It can also be a sign, among many, that you've adapted to a gripped state. Think of this as a new spin on stopping to smell roses. We've all slowly been trained to only notice ominous clouds. It's not our fault. These days, it's hard to catch the weather on television. Almost impossible. You can watch storms via Storm Tracker, Channel 12 Storm Watch, brought to you from Storm Center 10 at the Storm Desk with storm experts. But try to find the actual weather. Writer and cancer survivor Mark Nepo brought this idea to me. We watch for storms, but weather is far more than storms and so is life. Our fixation with dark clouds that mean bad things transfers to what we pay attention to at all in life. We are not just restricted our attention to storms, we have limited it to only potential or actual catastrophes. Our impulse to only notice the ugly, awful, or calamitous things is part survival, but it's not a strategy for an expansive, enjoyable life. Nepo says it this way, we're addicted to the sound of everything falling apart. This addiction is in its advanced stage in consuming our lives, thinking, and conversations. I hope we're not past an intervention as we obsess about the latest fresh horror. We're not without accomplices in this fixation. Our only noticing threats is good for advertising. The video of a funnel cloud gets views, clicks, and shares. So our conditioning is, in part, market-driven. What's more, attention to the threat of harm is reliably constant both for our anxious minds and advertisers. 
But the cost of our soul attention to threats is we nearly forget the beauty in all things for our desire to be safe from a few rare things. Nepo's thoughts led me to notice the harmless everyday clouds. Of course, I don't spend entire days doing this, just moments of intentional awareness. Among them, there are some momentarily remarkable ones. Below are a few that floated before me. I think you'll love what I found. The window of time to see a cloud imitating something is frustratingly brief. I have a few seconds to catch one in the act. I've missed many. In this way, clouds are a terrific illustration of life. There is loveliness and clarity in life, but just like a cloud, both can be fleeting. We tend to build our worth on things like everything making complete sense to us and being clear in our purpose. If not that, then athletic ability, looks, relationships, or our mental function. Like a cloud, all of these are changing and soon will not look like the picture they are today. If we build our worth on any of them, no matter how pure and lovely in a moment, we'll be let down. Life is but a vapor, the scriptures say. We think that means it's short, but more than that, it's fading from our grasp all the time. This isn't cruel to tell you, it would be cruel not to. Buddhist teachers tell their students to meditate on impermanence for its inescapable truth. Even while reading this, cells in your body have died and others have renewed. While we should do more noticing of good, delightful things, so much of our suffering comes in clinging to a present, joyful, cloud-like moment or trying to force an unpleasant one out of the sky of our life. All things are passing moments, but they are worth noticing. To slow down and delight in a clear bit of beauty seems out of reach if we're scuttling through life merely in survival mode, also known as gripped. But unfortunately, not believing our inherent worth will put us in perpetual survival mode. Living our worth includes noticing more than life's storm clouds. Look for the sudden surprising wink of beauty, the clarity of a moment where things seem to come delightfully into focus. They're ours for the moment.